0: Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Cherry Strange, your host, and I am recording this broadcast smack in the middle of a tropical storm. This storm is beta, which has knocked out at least my friend's electricity across town. And flooding several uh, streets along the way. It's caused the waters to surge higher, honestly, than I've ever seen them. It's shut down our school district for a couple of days. And this is our second round of serious storms for the season. I wasn't sure I would even be able to meet you here to finish the production of this broadcast. I am new to Hurricane Country. My roots lie in something else. Another kind of disaster. Uh, I'm from Tornado Alley. Tornadoes I get hurricanes, storm surges, forceful winds and rains like I've never seen before. They're all new to me. And all the prep that's required to get ready can bring out the anxiety in all the people who are around. It's just crazy. This situation on top of the current 2020 Hubble is where we find ourselves and anxious is really a good word to describe it. It's where we might find our hearts more often than not in this season. Anyone who spent any time in church has learned that God does not want us in that predicament, doesn't want us to worry, but exactly how are we going to get there? How do we calm an anxious heart? Today, I want to take a different perspective to look at that, and let's see what we can learn from the past. If you've been with me for any length of time whatsoever, you have heard me mention a man named Charles Spurgeon, the famous pastor from London in the 1800s. I've read tons of his sermons and his writings alone are responsible for leading hundreds and thousands to Christ, absent of a pastor or missionary or another soul. He was then the people's preacher. He was able to speak to the needs of the day, and even though he spoke over 200 years ago, some needs are just timeless and are born out of personal Experience. He too struggled with discouragement, doubt, worry, even depression from all accounts. The pressures of life and ministry were often overwhelming, keeping him what I would say wound like a top. In terms of his preaching, he wrote this Almost every week I have the pleasure of preaching 12 times, and often in my sleep do I think of what I'm going to say next. It seems all to have been a burden, not simply a joy between the sheer volume of what he was charged to do with thousands under him teaching young pastors the orphanages that depended on him and the writing he was to do it's surprising to read but no wonder he felt this way as he wrote as god is my witness i scarcely ever prepare for my pulpit with pleasure study for the pulpit to me is the most irksome work in the world and listen to this he says to sit long in one posture, poring over a book or driving a quill is in itself a taxing of nature. But add to this, a badly ventilated chamber, a body which has long been without muscular exercise, and a heart burdened with many cares. And we have all the elements for preparing a seething cauldron of despair. He's talking about himself. If you were looking for a course called, The top 10 reasons for not going into the ministry, this man could write it. He could write it, teach it, and carry the flag for it. Then there was the frustration from duties that stole the time that he desperately needed to get all of that done that he felt were not even part of his calling. He says, I'm only a poor clerk driving a pen for hours and hours. Here's another whole morning gone and nothing but letters, 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 letters. Because he's spending all his time doing something he didn't think he was really needing to be doing with this time. His dark times were so, so bleak that some believed, including himself, that he did suffer from depression. On top of all this was the persecution from the outside, which we know was very vehement toward him. And critics from within the church. He once wrote that... The loss of close friends and the cost of ministry was literally killing him. This leads to his physical state. He battled gout and some issues with his joints to the point he couldn't move them at times. He dealt with all of this anxiety by literally leaving it behind. He just got out of town. He would leave the dreariness of England for a retreat in France. He just had to get away from it all because, as you may know, staying meant work. There was just always more to do and more people that needed to be served. Personally, I have an affection for this person on the page as if he lived at the corner on my street. I feel as if I have sat on the porch and listened to him for years, even cried through some of those dark times with him. I have read hundreds of his pages, thousands upon thousands of his words. Spurgeon is not all I read, of course, but outside the Bible, his ministry, his theology, his approaches with people, he has impacted me as a person more than any other, with the exception of my spouse, dead or alive. This man gets your anxious heart. hes He gets my frustration with my own physical ailments that are not going away. He gets that there's too much to do and not enough day in which to get it done. It's all important essential vital to your future what can we relax our hands upon nothing sister nothing all the extra has already been tossed aside life is down to the brass tacks already therefore we've got to keep going and do what we've been called to do at break speed that most do not understand. For the sake of the gospel, spending ourselves, whether it looks healthy or successful or prudent, even though it be lonely, exhausting, and at times discouraging. What insights can this has-been stuffy old preacher offer you in this 2020 that would have any relevance in dealing biblically with our own anxious hearts. Well, I simply want to offer you some gleanings from his ministry on this topic and how it relates back to the Bible. Then for a moment have us think about what it could say to us today because we all need it. Here are five ways to calm an anxious heart from someone who gets you and a God who loves you more than you can imagine. Number one, nothing happens by chance. He said this, the medicine you have to drink is very bitter but the unerring physician measured all the ingredients drop by drop and then mixed them in the very way in which they could best work for your highest good nothing in this world happens by chance that great god who sitteth upon the circle of the heavens, to whom all things that he hath made are but as the small dust of the balance, who make the clouds his chariot, and rides upon the wings of the wind. That same God cares for you with such special care that he has even numbered the very hairs of your head, and put your tears in his bottle. You may therefore rest assured that even those experiences which are causing you so much sorrow are all in accordance with his eternal counsel and decree. Now this is 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in their faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And then Luke 12:7, Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. There is this recognition here that it's bad sometimes. But it's not without the Lord's knowing. It's not because He doesn't care or He's forgotten you. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. You may therefore rest assured that even those experiences which are causing you so much sorrow are all in accordance with his eternal counsel and decree. Trouble does not equal abandonment, is the point here, or worthlessness, or lack of unfathomable love. Your God is always working. The encouragement here is to throw off all of your anxiety onto his ability to take it, to manage it, and to work it for his purpose. That's the first thing. Nothing happens by chance. I think if we recognize that as we throw it off on him, that will make a difference. The second thing is that you can't do anything about it. He says this, once more cares are of no use to us and they cause us great damage. If you were to worry as long as you wished, you cannot make yourself an inch taller or grow another hair on your head or make one hair white or black. If we forget to pray, do you wonder that we are all in a fidget and a worry and we do the first thing that occurs to us, which is generally the worst thing instead of waiting until we saw what should be done and then trustfully believingly doing it as in the sight of God. Care is injurious but if you only turn this care into prayer then every care will be a benefit to you. Basically he's encouraging us to wait and stop getting in such a tizzy we can't do anything about it anyway and pray about it. This is the scripture that it came to mind jeremiah 17 7 and 8 blessed is the man who trusts in the lord whose trust is the lord he is like a green he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit this is some good sound advice for fixers to just stop it remember you are the tree planted by the water. You don't have to get caught up in fixing the broken situation when there is nothing you can do. God can handle it. You cannot. Let him do it. Be the tree with the strong roots and the lush green leaves in the midst of the drought. That is the encouragement here. The third one is that seriously, God doesn't need your physical help. (laughs) He says, if God cares for you, why need you care too? Can you trust him for your soul and not your body? has he ever refused to bear your burdens he has never fainted under the weight come then soul have done with fretful care and leave all your concerns in the hand of a gracious god this relates well to psalm 94 18 and 19 when i thought my foot slips your steadfast love o lord held me up when the cares of my heart are many Your consolations cheer my soul. The point here is to pray and be still. Drop everything at his feet. Even the physical things that we tend not to drop at his feet. Maybe he will have you do something. But maybe he will just make you drop it and trust him to do it. That's the point that he makes here. Number four is what I'm going to call raise your hallelujah. There's a popular worship song out right now called that that was written during a really dark time for the songwriters that really spoke to me. They had friends whose young child that was about two or three had had gotten an infection or something like that, landed them in the ICU, maybe was not gonna make it. So they were called to pray and pray like crazy. And there's really nothing left to do. I've been there. I've sat in that kind of room and I've been told it's time to start making some decisions because the doctors, have done just about all they can do for my own child my little girl was slipping before my eyes what we needed was for God to show up and when all there is left to do is pray and to praise him in the middle of the impossible situation just let his peace come into the room into that space and this is what Spurgeon suggests he says it is only for a little moment that we are to be here. The cup is very bitter, but then there is not much in it. Let us take it all down at a, a draught. These pills are too small for us to make two bites at them. Besides, to chew them is to get their bitterness. To swallow them is to know nothing about it. So do with the trouble of this life. Take them as they come, cheerfully and contentedly, thankfully praising God that there is good in the evil and sweetness in the bitter. Take it all. It will not be last long. In Philippians four, five and seven says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of advice that sounds stupid outside of the situation and seems The most reasonable thing to do in the heat of the moment. When you find yourself in a mess of trouble beyond what you can manage, pray. It's really the only thing to do. Praise Him in those moments. Spurgeon's right. See the bigger picture. Take the troubles as they come, knowing that it's part of living on this planet. A better day is coming. and The days may be dark. It may be awful. But there is a better day coming. The fifth one is a little bit different. It's to discipline yourself because you are needed. I think this is a really unique position to take. He says, now, if in any future day, the shadow of a disaster should cross your path and you should be in fear that your beloved ones are lost, I pray you, if you are a Christian people, exercise faith at such a time and stay yourselves upon God. Recollect, if you become so anxious as to lose your clearness of mind, you will not be fit." the emergency it may be that by retaining calmness of soul you will be of service but by giving up the very helm of your mind and allowing yourself to drift before the torrent of anxiety you will become useless and helpless and patience possess your souls the world is in God's hands after all in Matthew 6 25 through 27 says therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life than they, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Let's say I'm helping with the costume and set of one of my daughter's plays. Sometimes knowing that I'm needed at some point in that production makes me remain more alert to the entire thing. Spurgeon is basically calling us to be calm without telling us how to get there, without giving us the roadmap. It's the expectation because there's gonna come a point when you might be needed to possess that in a moment of crisis. And because you are a believer in Christ, we want to extend that to other people. Your stability, your gravitas, your strength of spirit is so needed in times of crisis. There is really no time for you to be so needy. You, sister, are really beyond that. And jesus reminds us here why you can confidently trust him in these ways these are normal regular things normal regular people get all wound up about what is in this passage in matthew we need to rise above this so that you will be a resource when it's go time like a pandemic or a neighbor in crisis or your own family or whatever, someone at work. Let God worry about all the crazy stuff you can't do anything about. But keep your wits about you. Possess your souls. Don't go willy-nilly in the knees when you're needed to be a pillar. You are equal to the task God calls you to. You are more than the enemy wants you to believe you are. God empowers you to be strong. Reject those lies. Put those worries off on the Lord. He has made you for more. Life promises to be filled with troubles and anxieties, but these do not catch God by surprise. Practice the truths from these scriptures and utilize the wisdom gleaned from a has-been preacher and you will have a calmer, less anxious heart to face whatever comes your way. Thanks for listening. Don't be timid to rank or review the podcast that really need your support in that and I appreciate it when you do it. Until next week, I'm Cherry Strange and this is the Stirring Faith Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week, and I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember... There is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.